Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock-hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's your daily dose of Donna. Welcome to the show. Uh, It is January, Wednesday, January 31st. I appreciate all of you for being here on the last day of January. I've seen so many memes this week, and it's just so funny. Each one, like there's a picture of Tom Hanks in the movie Castaway at the end of his, you know, months long. I don't know how long he was actually deserted on the island with Wilson. Do you guys know? But anyway, it's a picture of him, and it's like me at the end of January. Excuse me. Welcome to the show. Daily Dose of Donna is here five days a week for your viewing pleasure. Just want to make sure that you guys uh, are uh, hearing me well and listening and being able to see me. I had some technical difficulties earlier this morning, but that is the life of podcasting. Speaking of podcasting, those of you that know, I have an upcoming podcasting four-week course, live group coaching course. There's only four spots left, four spots left. So if you're interested in that, the link I'll put in the show notes below. And I look forward to having you guys um, joining me so that you can start your own podcast. See, the cool thing about podcasting, I'm going to talk about this on Patreon today. There's a lot of podcast news today. The cool thing about podcasting is um, it's really so personal, right? It's so personal because there's so many out there that I love that everyone that has a voice or that wants to have a voice or has a thought or wants to be a thought leader or wants to help others, entertain others, like everyone has the ability to put it out there and share their voice. So I love the medium of podcasting and I appreciate anyone that tries to do this. I think it's amazing. Um, Okay, guys. So we got to talk first about this week's sponsor of this show. And could this be more apropos? Because this week, Daily Dose of Donna is sponsored by and brought to you by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash Donna. That's D-A-N-A. And get on your way to being your best self. See, a common misconception about relationships is that 
they have to be easy to be right. So we're coming up on Valentine's Day, what, we're 15 days out of Valentine's Day. And a lot of times your relationships can have some problems. It could be a relationship with yourself. It could be a relationship with your husband. It could be a relationship with your coworker or someone online. It doesn't matter. The point is that in order for them to be right, they don't necessarily, they're not necessarily easy. And being married for so many years, I think that we can all see that, right? But sometimes the best ones happen when both people put in the work to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all of your relationships. So if you have a relationship issue, even with yourself, like self-love, that is something that I'm really, really working on this week. And um, just in general this year, because it's really easy to get into that like shame and guilt stage. And I think it's important to take accountability and just like recognize where you've effed up which I have and we have, and then uh, learn how to kind of love yourself through your mistakes. So become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com slash Donna today to get 10% off your first month. That is betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Donna. Okay. Great. All right, you guys. So so much to talk about. First of all, I was thinking about doing like a what to watch on Wednesdays because I am such a fan of, you know, TV documentaries and all of that. I've mentioned this a little bit briefly before, but I watched it last night and I finished it this morning. And this is the YouTube, I think it's about 45 minutes about CT. CT from The Challenge. And those of you that know, he's originally from the real world Paris years ago. And then he was on the challenge um, for like 20 seasons. He's done the challenge. Now he's also currently on this um, season of the traders, which is making it so enjoyable because I love CT. And those of you that know CT and like his history with DM, who sadly passed away because of her cancer journey, they were boyfriend and girlfriend on many seasons of the challenge. Like I was so obsessed with the relationships on those MTV shows back in the, you know, early 2000s, mid 2000s. Like, do you guys remember Danny and Melinda from Real World? I don't remember which, which, um, city they were, but Danny was like kind of Boston guy. And, and Melinda was this like tall, beautiful, blonde, gorgeous girl. And they ended up getting married and then they ended up getting divorced. So I followed all of these relationships as if they were my own. I got so like obsessed with all of them and CT and DM had this love affair. And then of course she ended up, Oh, thank you. Real world Austin from Danny and Melissa. Um, and then, of course, she ended up getting very sick on their last journey together on the challenge when they were on a battle of the exes season. And um, she passed away so sad, so sad in her 20s, like from ovarian cancer, I believe, like awful, awful. Um, I think, you know, what I find really interesting is we grew up with these people. If you're like me, if you're in my age range, so I'm 42, we grew up with these real world road rules challenge people. Like I have some funny stories. Number one, if you guys watch the real world Paris with CT, do you guys remember Adam King? Adam King was also very famously on the challenges because he, um, 
he and CT got into a crazy physical argument on one of the challenges. I don't remember if it was when they were partnered up together or they were, no, 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 no. They weren't partnered up together, but they had been um, in the same home together. They had lived in um, Paris together and they fought so badly. It was like pretty intense. Like CT really went after Adam. Well, I went to high school with Adam. So Adam, I think he was my sister's year which was two years above me. So I grew up with Adam and it was crazy just seeing this kid that I went to high school with go through this. Another weird story. Do you guys remember real world? I think it was Boston. When they had Sean, was it Boston? Yeah, I think it was real world Boston when they had Sean and he was like a woodworker. Do you remember that? A woodworker. (laughs) He was like a... He chopped down, he was a log guy. He chopped down wood. And then he ended up hooking up with Rachel. Now, Rachel was from real world San Francisco, the famous one with Puck and Pedro and Judd. You remember that one? Pam. So Rachel and Sean ended up getting together. And they now are married and have like five kids. And I believe he's very, very heavily um like. He's like a very strong, um, I think he's actually been like a mayor or governor, um, a very conservative family. And she was on The View for a short time. She was trying to get on The View. Well, years before this, she was my substitute teacher in high school. And I remember it was my debate class. Either it was debate or theater. I couldn't, I can't remember. It was the same teacher, Mrs. Grant. And all of a sudden we had a substitute teacher and it was Rachel. And I was a senior in high school. So this was 1999. And I was like, I don't understand. Rachel from real world San Francisco is my substitute teacher. It was crazy. But those shows really paved the way for everything we're watching now. Now, none of like, I think 99% of what was aired on any of those real worlds were absolutely, um, you know, I think 99% were things that could not be aired now, right? Because the world has gone like pretty, uh, we're very sensitive, right? In general, we're very sensitive. We're very offended by things. And it's very hard to say things without offending people. That is literally my world, right? But I just loved those old shows. And I know you can catch some of them on Paramount Plus or on Netflix. I think there's some real worlds. I think the next challenge starts today. I could be wrong, maybe yesterday. So I will be watching it because I kind of want to like get back into it. I just think there's so many people I don't know from the challenge. Do you guys have any fun stories from any real world or challenge people? Like, do you know any, do you have any real life exchanges with any of them? Um, it's always funny when you meet someone that was on a reality show, like Back in the day, the challenge is a really good show. If you like, you know, Big Brother, Trader, Survivor, like any sort of competition show, the challenge totally knocks it out of the park. In fact, if you're into the traders and you like some of those um, competitions that they do, like where they have to get in the water and get, you know, grab a puzzle piece and swim back and whatever, that's what the challenge is. It's usually pretty intense. Um, like fear factor type challenges. It's always like a bungee jump or some sort of crazy dive. It's scary. But anyway, CT was phenomenal in um, in this YouTube show. 
it's like a 45 minute documentary. Like I said, it takes you through all of his challenge experiences, like how he got eliminated this time and how he won this one. And then of course, um, you know, through his personal life, we get to see a little bit about where he grew up and how he says that getting cast on the real world completely saved his life in his opinion, like he feels like it did. So um, I just think it's so good. You know, so many amazing people have come out of this. Theo Vaughn. Yes, Theo Vaughn is like one of the biggest podcasters now. I don't listen to his podcast just because I don't know, but apparently he's incredibly funny and incredibly popular. We had Cameron who came on to Southern Charm, the first few seasons of Southern Charm. She was so cute. She was from the San Diego one. Um, I remember this Jamie Chung. I don't know if you guys remember Jamie Chung. I think she was on San Diego, Real World San Diego. She's now an actress. I don't know if you know who she is, but she used to audition for me. I always found that really cool. Um, Johnny Bananas. Obviously, he was on Traders. So bummed he got eliminated early. So I, I don't know. It'll be fun. Okay, all of you guys have some good stories. Oh, yeah, and The Miz. The Miz has his own show on WWE because he's now like a full wrestler. He's married and he's got a whole story. I just love it. I love it. So um, I love your comments. You guys, make sure to go over to the live chat if you're watching this on the replay because you can see what everyone's stories are about their challenge in real world, uh, you know, connections. Now, let me ask you a question. Now in 2024, if you got an opportunity to go on real world, sorry, not real world, road rules. Do you guys remember road rules? They would put you in a Winnebago and they would send you out on missions across the country. Would you do that? Or would you do real world where you're in a house filmed 24 seven cameras, the whole shebang? I don't know. I don't know which is better. I feel like I would probably prefer real world over road rules, road rules because I, I just don't see myself as someone that like would enjoy the Winnebago life. But, you know, you, you get to see cool things. So that's fun. Okay. Um, are you guys excited about the feud? The feud is another thing that we have to watch together. So the feud is going to be on FX, I believe. And it's about Capote and the Swans, which is like all these women. Now the cast for the feud is like beyond. I've never seen like such an incredible cast of women. Let me get it for you so that we can, um, this is a Ryan Murphy show, by the way. Um, Feud, Capote vs. the Swans is a second season of the anthology television series Feud created by Ryan Murphy, Jaffe Cohen, and Michael Zam for FX. Um, I did not watch season one. And if I should, you guys let me know. Let's see who the cast is. The cast is... Um, okay. Oh, this is hard because this is season one. I want, I want season two. Um, I just know that it is, uh, it is an incredible cast of women and they're saying like, their kind of way of, um, talking about it is like, this is their, the original Real Housewives, right? We've got Naomi Watts, Tom Hollander, Diane Lane, Chloe Seven, Seven, Sevigny, Sevigny? Now I can't remember how to say her name. Callista Flockhart, Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, Treat Williams. Whoa. Okay, so Tom Hollander plays Truman Capote. Um, you know what's interesting? Callista Flockhart plays Lee Radziwill. If you guys are wondering where Lee Radziwill's name um, sounds familiar, it's because Lee Radziwill 
was an American socialite and a public relations executive. And she, um, she was Jackie Kennedy's sister. And of course she was related to Carol Radzewell. So I just find it so interesting to see, um, this world. I love old, and this is going to sound funny. I love old money, like old money stories, like the Vanderbilts and, um, old Hollywood. That's why I loved reading seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Um, I loved when I was younger and I went to, I'm going to say this wrong, but where do they have all the Vanderbilt mansions on the East coast? You guys know it's like, um, Provincetown. I want to say Rhode Island area, like beyond, beyond insane. I remember walking through those homes and saying like, this was the life that this was my former life. You know, a lot of people go to maybe a, um, farm. And they're like, I feel like I could have been, this is where I'm from. That's not me. I go into the Vanderbilt home and I'm like, oh, Newport, thank you. This is where I would like, this is where I would like to uh, build my roots. I'm a little like Stassi, Stassi Schroeder in that way. I love it. I love it. I need to watch The Gilded Age. Everyone is telling me to watch The Gilded Age and I need to get back to Newport, Rhode Island. In fact, if you guys are Rhode Island people, let me know because I'm planning. I really want to do like a Martha's Vineyard, Newport, Rhode Island, whole East Coast trip. Okay, next story. We need to talk about how Teddy Mellencamp is taking over (laughs) iHeartRadio. She's not really. So Teddy and Tamara have a podcast that you guys know all about, the two T's. They call themselves the twats. I find that funny. Um, They have a podcast that they air multiple times a week covering all the different housewives. It does incredibly well. It's always like in the top five in the TV and film shows. They do, they get millions of downloads when they go to Bravo cons. Like clearly they're doing very well. So Tamara got on the traders. And when Tamara got on the traders, she ended up scoring herself another, I believe it's a limited series about the traders. And it's it was supposed to be with her and Kate Chastain. Remember all that drama that had happened a few weeks ago, but it ends up being just Tamara. And she kind of covers the traders. Um, probably week by week, as long as the show is going to be going on. And then over the weekend, last weekend or whenever, they went to um, their live show in San Francisco, the Twats Live. They took Emily Simpson. They took Cynthia Bailey. These are two women that do variety of guest hosts on their show. And they went to... Uh, they did their live show and then they announced there that there's going to be a podcast called The Eds. Now, I did not see this one coming. I was really surprised. I personally, well, look, I'm going to support anyone that has a show, but I would like to know what The Eds is about. Are they going to be recapping reality TV? I don't even see it on um on Apple Podcasts yet, so maybe it's not official yet, but I think it really kind of depends on what they cover. So this is Edwin, and this is this is Edwin Ariave, which is Teddy Mellencamp's husband, and this is Tamara's husband, Eddie Judge. Here's what I'm going to say. They're both smart business people, so if they do a show and they cover stuff like business and health and fitness 
then free, right? Great. But if they do a show where they're covering reality TV, I feel like I could die, right? I feel like I could die. Mostly because we've heard from Tamara so many times that Eddie Judge is like very anti all of this reality TV stuff, right? He doesn't really understand it. So I don't know. I'll listen if it's out. I have to give it a shot, but I don't know if I'm going to be like a full-time supporter of the Eds. Now, meanwhile, today, Teddy Mellencamp announces on her page that she and Emily Simpson are doing an entirely new podcast called Popping Off. So you guys tell me if this is something you'd be interested in listening to, but it's going to be Emily and Teddy recapping Vanderpump Rules. Right now, Vanderpump Rules and maybe something else down the line. I don't personally know, but I find it very interesting. Now, iHeartRadio and Teddy are clearly in strong cahoots, and I'm sure it is such an incredible business for her. So go, Teddy. Keep it coming. Make it rain. But are you guys interested in listening to why don't Teddy and Tamara cover Vanderpump Rules? Or is it that they can't cover cover Vanderpump Rules because it's a Housewives recap show or because Tamara's too busy doing OC right now? I worry it's too much. I agree. Like, I think if you have one podcast, you're golden. I think if you start to do like two or three weekly podcasts, different kinds, I'm not saying episodes, I'm saying different kinds, then it's oversaturation. That's my that's my thought. Because twats is still going on, right? Two T's is still going to go on. Whatever. Okay, so another piece of podcast news that I thought was insane. Who here listens to Smartless? Smartless is one of the best podcasts out there, although sometimes their episodes are a little bit like, huh? I listened to the Adam Driver episode on the way down to Temecula with Lance and I found it so jilted and not free-flowing. But in general, Will Arnett, Jason Bateman, and Sean Hayes, like, you can't go wrong. And then they did a 10-part documentary. I feel like it was on Max. Maybe it was on Max or Netflix, where you follow them on tour. And it was it was Max. It was phenomenal, phenomenal. And it was so... Uh, they're so entertaining, these three guys, that they kind of like, you just want to watch them live. But sometimes their guests kind of slow them down. Like I felt like Adam Driver. That was a bad one. The point is that Smartless is one of the top comedy podcasts. Actually, it's one of the podcasts, the top podcasts always. Now check this out. Talk about money in podcasting. Sirius XM inks a Smartless podcast deal, a three-year deal worth over $100 million. Okay, so basically Smartless, it's called Smartless Media and it's three founders, Will Arnett, Jason Bateman, and Sean Hayes. Um, and basically the agreement encompasses exclusive, exclusive advertising, distribution rights, content, events, and more for Smartless. It's going to commence late summer 2024 and it's a three-year deal. They currently have a deal with Amazon from 2021. Um, that was worth $80 million. Can you imagine that Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and Sean Hayes kill themselves to be actors for years and years and years, which takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of time. It's all of that. And literally all of a sudden, they're sitting in their, you know, 
bedrooms on their Zoom screens and they're making so much money. Like the world of podcasting is crazy, which is why I think Teddy is taking advantage of this because look at all of us. You guys, all of us are talking about podcasts constantly. We're talking about what we heard on podcasts, like the Nick Vile and Tom Sandoval. It's like the podcasts themselves are such content. Not only are the podcasts themselves, but clearly the people who are doing the podcast, the podcast hosts. I mean, just uh, check out the comment thread on any of these podcast hosts, right? So it's really, really unbelievable, this kind of meta world of not just what we're talking about, but who's talking about them, right? I find it all fascinating. I wonder what really started that. Was it like the call her daddy world? where they started to like, there was drama between Alex Cooper and Sophia Franklin, her co-host. And then like people got really into the drama of the podcasters. But Smartless is just genius. They have a great uh, formula. They have their honest to God fans that will listen to every episode they put out. And I can't imagine it's a hard job for them. I'm sure they just have so much fun, right? I'm sure they just have so much fun. So I don't know. Um. Yeah, really interesting. Andrew says the COVID lockdown catapulted it because a lot of us were just sitting at home, right? We were just sitting at home and a lot of us are creative and we just wanted to get behind a mic. Like, oh, I have a voice. And so honestly, it's the it's the world of, you know, um, actors that couldn't really act or couldn't had didn't have the opportunity to act. Not that they couldn't act, but didn't have the opportunity to act. A lot of people didn't have the opportunity to do what they love to do. Musicians, um, the strike last year. Like, think about that strike. Amy Poehler released that um, Dr. Sheila episode. Uh, like, it was like a short, limited series, but it was so, so funny. And she released that during the strike because there was a wraparound about like what you could do for podcasts. You could do podcasts, but you couldn't do anything scripted or all of that, you know? Anyway, really, really cool for all the podcasters. So um, hopefully I get one eight, 80th of 100th of what the smartest people get at some point in life. We'll see. Okay, let's move on to Vanderpump Rules. Which ones of you guys out here have seen it? Did you watch Vanderpump? I'm trying really hard, okay? I am trying really hard to in, uh, like enjoy Vanderpump Rules this season. Here is the problem. It's only been one episode. So, of course, we're not allowed to make like a true strong judgment on the entire part of it. But what I can say is I had a feeling that this was going to happen. We've talked about this. See, here is the problem with pop culture and with entertainment. You know, they always say jump the shark. You know, they always say that when a show jumps the shark, when a um, movie jumps the shark, when but it's usually TV shows when there's like multi-seasons. Remember Seinfeld when Seinfeld was like, I'm out at the top, right? This happens because a lot of people know that if you keep it going, it's it's you can't be at the top for too long, right? Like it's always going to drop. Now, it could be good and it could be interesting later on. The previews at least make it kind of look interesting. The question is how much do we actually care about these people anymore? So another example, by the way, of things that can't stay up on top is Taylor Swift. And I don't say this in any way as a Taylor Swift um, 
in a negative way because you know I love Taylor. But when you, like 2023 was Taylor's year, right? She sold out the Eras tour all over the world. She was crazy. She was crazy. It was like insane. People had died for Taylor Taylor. And then now we're in 2024 and she's living her best life. She's dating, you know, this huge football player who's going to the Super Bowl. She's still selling out all these arenas. She's traveling. She's getting nominated. And like, all I'm seeing is negativity. All I'm seeing is negativity. And it drives me nuts for her. But that's the problem. Because when people are doing so well, what's next? They have to fall. There's nowhere else to go. So Vanderpump Rules most likely will hit some sort of like, it hit a plateau, I think, at the end of the last episodes. And then now I worry it's going to go down. We will still watch it. I imagine their numbers will still be phenomenal. But Ariana, Ariana, is going to have a Taylor moment too in this season. And I have a strong feeling for it that the the peak has peaked. And I worry that she's going to come off in a very, very negative way this season. And if even if it's not what she does, it's social media's take on her. And this is the way it works, right? It's literally a roller coaster. So a couple things I noticed immediately from Vanderpump. It felt like I was watching a different show. I don't know if you guys feel this way, but I felt like I was watching an episode of, you know, The City or The Hills. It feels, I, I'm like, was it a setting on my TV? It felt so, um, it felt so produced. It felt so overly produced with the slow motion kind of insertions and the startings and the differences and the, um, it just didn't feel like the same show that we have all grown to watch and love. And so I, you know, for me, I I just feel like that was a little confusing. Like why mess with something that wasn't really necessarily broken, but it feels like they upped the ante. They created it way more of like a produced show. Um, okay. This is going to be tricky. I do feel that James in this show is now playing a role with the glasses, with the, honey, let's build a cabinet, with the, um, you know, and I don't want to say that I can believe that he's not changed and he is a better person, but it just feels a little bit like taking advantage of Tom Sandoval going down and James is like, I'm stepping in as the number one guy. So it did feel a little bit like, you know, um, Oh my gosh, Andrew's so right. He says James was giving Jude law. He was giving Jude law from the holiday with the glasses. He was like, hello, I'm a perfect British man now. I have glasses and I don't drink. I drink double espressos. I go to an Equinox. Do you, would, would you like to see my chest? I still smoke weed. I smoke weed. I wake up and puff, puff. I, I go to work out and I puff, puff. I like him and Allie. I think they're sweet. I find them incredibly boring though together as a couple. Like, Allie is so sweet. Is she a reality star? Is she someone that we, like, really want to watch on the show? Or she's just, like, a nice girl, right? So there is a little bit of that that I felt like was put on. Now, I had to laugh about their Burbank apartment or house. Sorry. I don't know specifically where in Burbank they are. 
But if you live near the Burbank airport, this is like a small, here in Los Angeles, I'm sure everyone has like the, a big city airport and like a smaller city airport. Burbank is the easy airport that a lot of people go to Vegas or whatever for. You can just drive in, drive out. There's like very little, you know, uh, drama around it. LAX, on the other hand, is a whole piece of uh, work. If you live near the Burbank airport, you're so effed. We moved into our house, Lance and I, our first house after we got married in 2011. And it was in an area called Toluca Lake, which is near, it was like Toluca Lake, North Hollywood area. It was near Burbank. It was just like a little bit between Burbank and Studio City. I was so excited to move into this house. It was our first house ever. We got in there. We go to bed the first night. I woke up at 7 a.m. This was before kids when you could actually sleep. I woke up at 7 a.m. What is that? I didn't realize how loud the planes were and I was not even in Burbank. So I can only imagine how annoying that is. It is loud as all. And man, Vanderpump Rules really shaded them a hundred thousand times with the planes. It was constantly going to the planes. The planes were, you know, a very like a, it was like another character on the show. So anyway, it was really, really uh, fun to see kind of like that real world L.A. thing. Now, let's talk a little bit about Tom Schwartz feeding his plants. Tom Schwartz does seem like the guy that talks to, you know, inanimate objects often. Now, I've heard from a lot of you guys. I've heard from a lot of you guys that we should be talking to our plants. My plant you will see this because you know the saga of my plant. I had a plant behind here. It started to die real fast. And then I put in the fakie while I got my real one over there by the sun. And I'm giving it all my gay awakening coffee. Shout out gay awakening coffee. Nicole Kelly is one of our dosers, our listeners. And she runs an incredible coffee shop called gay awakening coffee. So go to their website, go to their Instagram, buy yourself some coffee over there. But I put what, what kind of coffee do oh, I put cheers queers in my plant because a lot of you guys told me to put in coffee grounds. This thing is coming back to life. Coffee is good for your soul. So it, Schwartz is, I have to talk to my plant. I'm going to start telling my plant some stories. Schwartz is talking to his plants. He's living his little bachelor life. I struggled with Schwartz in, in general. I just do. I find him like so, he's a fumbling mess. Is he cute? Yes. Does he have like redeeming qualities? Yes. I don't personally, you know, I don't find anything like so Mm, about him. Like he just feels like a little, he's like floating in the wind. <laughs> he's like a, you know, what, what are they called? The daffodils or where you blow. He's like one of those. He's like, whatever. Like, you know, those like things that you see outside of the gas stations when they're going like this, like that's Tom Schwartz. He's like, if someone pushes it, pushes him, then he can fall down that way. If someone pushes it, like he's kind of like wherever. Now, a lot of people like that personality. I, I would, I would, go on record to say that Schwartz is harmless. He's just a little off-putting to me. Nothing like Sandoval in, in these episodes, though. I will tell you that. Dandelions, yes. So he, um, he and James have this dinner, you know, talking about all the drama. 
talking about everything at Schwartz and Sandy's, I do feel bad for Schwartz and Sandy's and that bar and that restaurant. Like I do. There's no way that that wasn't like the worst thing. And actually Schwartz sounded like he had a really shitty year. He said his brother was sick. He said that obviously he went through a divorce and then he started that bar, which caused I mean, he got so much public hate. Schwartz got really dragged into this and it wasn't so much about him. He was just caught between trying to be a good friend and like a stand-up person, but he he needs to go, Schwartz needs to go like to a Tony Robbins retreat. And I'm not even a fan of Tony Robbins necessarily, but I feel like he needs to go to one of those like walk on coals. He needs to walk on coals. Like I would like to watch a TV show where we get Schwartz to kind of like find himself. Finding Schwartz, coming to theaters near you. So um, let's talk Sheena and Brock. I love Brock. I think Brock is adorable. A lot of you guys really struggle with Brock because of his past. Um, We know that he has a little bit of a, a yucky past, but I believe in redemption. And I believe if you show, you know, all those things, I believe that you can uh, get better. And it seems to me like he's trying. Summer Moon is too cute. But literally, have you ever seen more stage parents than Sheena and Brock? Like, they are on another level with their obsession of trying to get this girl famous. They are going to be the typical showbiz moms and dads. The ones that I ran far, far, far away from when I used to work in kids casting. You know, the ones that like, I never told you guys the story, but I was working on a show called Haunted Hathaways for Nickelodeon. And I was sitting, I was doing deals um, in in my office while my partner, she was auditioning these like four-year-old little girls. And so I was in another office, the door was open and I could hear what the moms were saying to their daughters before and after the audition. And the little girl goes into the audition. And when she comes out, the mom is like, how did you do? And the girl goes, good. She was four good. And she said, well, what did she say? I don't know. Well, why wouldn't you go back in there? Make her laugh. You should say this. You should say that. Like it's, it's such a bad vibe. I felt like I had to go out there and and I did actually, I ended up going out there and I said, I'm sure she did a great job. Like leave the girl alone. But Summer Moon is so cute. And she's like, Summer Moon, S-U-M-M-E-R. Sheena is, um, is a little bit insufferable to watch the season. It's a little bit hard to watch Sheena. I struggle with it. She has turned the entire Scandaval into her own Sheenaval. It's like, it's not Scandaval. It's Sheenandaval. It's the Sheenandaval because she is more affected by this than anyone, including Tom Raquel and Ariana. It's like, She's acted. I lost weight. People thought I was on Ozempic, but it's because of Scandaval. I can't believe I can sit on. Every time I sit on this couch, I think about Tom. Now let's talk about Tom and this friend of his. I guess he had this friend, Ali, who passed away. Really, really sad, right? Did you notice that Sheena was like, I loved Ali. He was a master on the brisket. I thought that was kind of interesting. Like, and I'm sure he was a great barbecuer, but is that the thing? That's what, that's the memory? I loved him for Coachella and he was great on the brisket. I do love a brisket, but he did pass away sadly. And so Sheena was talking about how she had reached out to Tom, but Tom blocked her and then, and then blocked Summer Moon. How dare you block Summer Moon? And I'm surprised that Sheena didn't lift Summer Moon's headshot and resume right in that moment and said, here's her Instagram handle. Here's the QR code, right? 
it feels incredible. Like she really is a businesswoman. Like she's a hustler, that girl. She will do anything to get like views, clicks, follows, all of that. She is, you know, she's good. Oh my God. Mark says, when I die, they will say, he left a couple of good comments, I think. <laughs> uh, mine is going to say, she was annoying AF. She did a daily podcast and was just so annoying. And and she's a Zionist. That's my biggest <laughs> complaints. She's a Zionist. Um, so, okay. Anyway, where are we? Okay. Meanwhile, Ariana. So we finally get to go into the scandal ground zero. Okay. Which is Ariana and Tom's house. There was a couple things that were very, very concerning about this part of it. And you guys, I want you to tread lightly here. Okay. I want you to tread lightly. I want you to really, really uh, be kind with me. I'm just speaking from my heart of my gut feelings about this whole situation. I understand why Ariana doesn't want to leave the house. This is also her house. She has put work into it and time into it, and she loves this house. It's a beautiful house, okay? I also understand that she doesn't want Tom to take it over because she doesn't want to feel like Tom has full ownership over what she considered her house. This was just a few months after, and here we are a year later, and it's like they're still in that house. Ariana, remove yourself from that toxicity. You can find yourself such a gorgeous, beautiful bungalow in Studio City. You have money now, my lady. Okay? A couple other things. Can someone clean their house? Like, for real, for real? Now, I understand that Ariana's got all her stuff in her bedroom. Where was it before? He literally looks, her bedroom looks like Sonia Morgan's room at Welcome to Crappy Lake. And if you don't remember what that show looked like, her room, it looked like every single thing that she's ever owned was on the beds. It was out of control. I'm like, we're supposed to like respect Ariana. This is crazy. I don't understand how she let cameras in there. It was a hoarder's paradise. And she lives there. It's not like it was a second bedroom. That's her light, her room. Doesn't she have closets? Doesn't she have storage space? Like, why are there clothes everywhere and shoes everywhere? Maybe she was using that second bedroom as her storage. But like now, I don't know. We need to get Jeff Lewis in there. Like Hollywood House Lift and Ariana need to work together. Something needs to be done. This was bad. Now, Tom Sandoval's room also was a hot mess, but it looked more like my 10-year-old's messy room, right? There was just like random cups and random like papers shoved into things. And there was like under the bed, you could tell, I think Raquel was under that bed still. Like there was so much going on under under that bed. Uh, I could just like, I imagined it, right? What do you think is under Tom Sandoval's bed? For real, for real. I think it is a carton of cigarettes. Um white nail nail polish, like a whole bin of white nail polish, um, like band t-shirts, Tom Sandoval and the most extras band t-shirts, um, Raquel's hair, um, and like a voodoo doll of Jax Taylor, right? Don't you think? Like he's just got like, he just smells down there and some Cheetos. 
regret. Holly says there's regret under that bed. A blow-up doll. I wouldn't be surprised. So we don't see Tom Sandoval throughout the episode until he gets back at the way end because he was at, um, you know, he went to shoot Southern, what was it called? Special Forces. Special Forces at this time. Now, meanwhile, um, uh, Ariana is talking to herself about making herself her own latte. I struggled. I struggled with this scene. Katie then comes and shows up. They're sitting there in the house. They're talking all about Tom. They're talking all about how much she hates Tom. And then she says in an interview, you know, since Tom blew up our lives. I don't know what the reality was between their relationship, but we all saw it wasn't good, right? We all saw it wasn't good. I don't think any anyone that was watching Vanderpump Rules in the last couple seasons thought that Tom and Ariana were like flying high. So I don't know, personally, when she says her life blew up, I think the main problem was that her relationship was over. But her life has only blown up in a positive way other than that. Do I think that she wasn't hurt? Of course, she was very hurt. I think she was very hurt by everything. I think you feel very hurt, betrayed, confused, shocked, whatever. But in the meantime, while she's talking about how Tom blew up her life, she's FaceTiming with her boyfriend, Danny. Danny? And she's like talking about him in this like, you know, amazingly positive way. It's giving a little bit like, is this good or bad that you guys aren't together? It doesn't feel necessarily very um, aligned. Because we haven't really seen Ariana heartbroken. We didn't, we saw her sad in the finale episode when her friends were kind of surrounding her and they broke the penis flute, which got glued back together, by the way. And then we saw her really angry at the finale. I'm sorry, reunion. And then we just saw her happy, right? Because right after the reunion, she immediately, no, before the reunion, she went to that wedding met Danny, then went straight to Coachella in April. I believe it was April with Danny. Then went straight to like, you know, all these different opportunities, dancing with the stars, going back and forth, going to New York, filming 1,500 different things. I don't know. And I think Sheena's right about this, that she possibly did not pro- process any of this yet. Like if Danny and her broke broke up or if things slowed down for her, if just say like one, once Broadway's over and she finally like it, things calm down for her, I think it's going to hit her like a ton of bricks. And that is like the scariest thing about trauma, right? A lot of people shove it under, under the rug. A lot of people shove trauma under Tom Sandoval's bed. That's what's under Tom Sandoval's bed. It's a shitload of trauma. And then it comes and hits you later. Do we like Danny? Do we like her boyfriend? I don't know. He seems really nice. Remember, I've seen him at Dancing with the Stars now a couple times. I I don't know. I don't know. I just think, you know, Ariana is going through all the emotions and she's not really fully like dealing with any of it because it all happens so freaking fast, right? It all happens so fast. So we'll have to see what happens, obviously, later with that. Um, Lala had a whole scene where she was talking to her mom in her beautiful 
apartment. I don't know where it was, but Lala does a great job decorating. I don't know if you guys felt that too. Like when you compare Lala's house with Tom Schwartz's house, it's like a different world. Um, and she and her mom, who her mom is now looking just like her, they they must be going to the same doctor because they both look like they have the same face again. And Lala is talking all about, you know, um, how Ocean, or basically how now, like it's exactly what I was just saying. Like now Lala is dealing with all these emotions because she just moved on. She moved to the anger. She moved to the sadness. I mean, she moved to like the, you know, I guess it was mostly anger after the whole Randall Emmett thing. And now she's finally like dealing with the heartbreak of it. So it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening there. I loved how she was honest about Ocean, how Randall said, you can have final say about Ocean's health and Ocean's education, but she can't be on Vanderpump Rules. What mom would say no to that? I just want to know. I just want to know. So she's like, I don't think need her on Vanderpump Rules. Summer Moon's carrying the torch. A lot of you guys did not like Lala in yesterday's episode because what happens later is they all go to Tom Tom for some James DJing thing. Um, Ariana had to deal with being a Tom Tom for the first time since all of the affair came out and she was struggling with it. Did you guys notice the 4,000 people who were just filming on their phones the entire time on Santa Monica Boulevard and then in the bar? Didn't you feel like we were watching caged animals? Like it felt really, really um, like it cuts that fourth wall. And then Lala saying like she can't do Vanderpump rules. All of these things are cutting off. Like they're they're basically blurring reality in a TV show. And I really wish that Ariana just said, I don't want to go to Tom Tom. I have absolutely no interest in going to Tom Tom. I don't want to re-traumatize myself. I don't actually give a shit about seeing Tom Schwartz at all, but I'm being paid on Vanderpump Rules to go to this event, so I have no choice. Because it felt very confusing. Like, why are you going? Why are you going if it's going to traumatize you that much? Obviously, we know why she's going. She has to. It's a job. It is a job, you know? And... She- Look, she looked like she had an emotional time with it, but then she ended up looking like she was having fun. A um, couple other things that I thought were kind of funny. Uh, Tom Schwartz. Tom Schwartz talking about how he reached... Is it? Do you guys find it weird that Tom Schwartz can't say Ariana? He says Ariana. Her name is Ariana, right? Like we've all established that. Sandoval calls her Ariana. Andy Cohen calls her Ariana. Everyone calls her Ariana. Schwartzy still calls her Ariana. And then he has a whole long conversation about Raquel. And in a confessional, he does something that is so uh, misleading and so shocking. And it's basically this conversation about, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. He did a whole Bill Clinton, um, you know, uh, impersonation. And I had to say, like, I've never felt so cringy and awkward watching a show like in that moment. I was like, no, no, no. I hope he, I hope he doesn't talk to his plants that way. Katie Maloney is, um, is just being Katie. I struggle with Katie. I think she looks phenomenal. I think she's a really hard personality to super, super root for because I don't see a lot of like the, the warmth emanating, but I get that she is felt you know, struggling with Schwartz. I just, this is the season now that she's not with Schwartz. This is a season that we need to see Katie actually show happiness. If we don't see it this season, then there's no hope, right? Because we've seen her with Schwartz. 
We've seen her during the divorce of Schwartz and none of that was happy. So let's hope that we get happy Katie out of happy. Katie Maloney needs to hook up with Eddie from Potomac, Wendy's husband, happy Eddie, and needs to take some of that. I have a feeling that Katie's probably doing a little bit of the happy Eddie, you know, she really needs to. I would like to see Katie just like have fun, lighten up. And she was chatting with Sheena and then they decided to have this plan the next night. Oh, no, no, no. Before this, Lala goes through this whole kind of arc where she's like, I feel bad for Rachel. I feel bad because I called her a home wrecking whore. I've called her, you know, all these things. And really, I was too essentially. So then, you know, in a produce scene, she sits down with Lisa Vanderpump because that makes sense. And then she goes outside into the um, alley, which was like the Sir Alley knockoff. It's like they they couldn't afford Sir, Sir Alley because that's in the Smithsonian now. So now they've gone into, you know, the Tom Tom Alley, which is just through the same alley, by the way. If you're kind of in that area, it's like it's just around the alley corner. And she has this totally like scheduled and produced moment where she sends Raquel a voice note where she's saying, if you're open to talking, let's talk. Now, remember at this time, there was absolutely a possibility that Raquel was going to still join the show. They were still in negotiations. So this is why Lala did this. Lala had a feeling Raquel was going to get back on the show. She needed to be a little bit of that bridge to bring her back in. Obviously, it wasn't going to be Katie Maloney. It wasn't going to be Sheena and it wasn't going to be Ariana. So the only other person that they had that was going to be able to kind of bring her back in was Lala. I don't know if Lala actually would have done that if it wasn't for the show. I think it was just because she thought that there was a chance Raquel was coming back. I wonder, I'm curious, and I don't know if if Lala has that in her to really um, recognize her flaws and and feel bad, but she said in the after show that I'm a Sour Patch Kid. She goes, I'm sour at first and then sweet. And she did feel for Raquel. And I actually, I, I enjoy when people recognize that they did wrong and take responsibility for that. And if you're curious about me taking responsibility for something that I think I did wrong, you're going to want to tune into my Patreon later today because there will be some of that. Um, okay, so finally, they go on a girls' night. At this point, Lala says that Ariana has always just kind of tolerated her, which makes me think that Lala thinks Ariana is a little bit of a mean girl. And I'm thinking, but didn't you guys go down on each other in the back of Tom Sandoval's car? I guess you tolerated that too. They never really got along that well. But in this moment, Ariana is like, let's be inner circle. Let's be besties. Let's be all of these things. And then, um, and then Lala tells her, I want to be honest that I reached out to her. And Sheena, of course, is like, uh, what, what about me? Like, what about my feelings? Sheena. Sheena's like, a, me? Hey, me over here. It felt like the entire episode felt very disjointed. It felt disjointed. It felt confusing. Ken, Ken makes an appearance on that Tom Tom night, which is something I've never seen. I have to go back and rewatch it because I've never seen anything like that. I don't know if it's the new camera angles or what. It was a lot. It was a lot. It was like, Ken, you okay? Ken had a, a few too many pumptinis maybe. Next week, we're going to see Tom Sandoval return from his trip, have a conversation with his assistant, Anne, who's now a very big part of the show, it looked like. And he's going to talk to her about how he's mad at Schwartz because of the way Schwartz talked about Tom on podcasts. See, I told you podcasts are part of the narrative now. And then he goes to his assistant and says, I want to have a birthday party here. The assistant then has to go to Ariana. And Ariana 
was to deny the assistant. This poor assistant is like, she's already got gray hair. Like someone, we need Anne and a camera, right? (laughs) Mark says on Patreon, Donna will reveal that she has been working for the FBI on the Girardi case. You guys on Patreon, you're going to find out that I'm actually come up with something really good. I'm actually Cedric from Real Houses of Beverly Hills season one. I'm actually Lisa Vanderpump's, you know, temporary house guest, (laughs) Cedric. The jig is up. Um, All right, you guys. I love you. Thank you so much for such a fun episode. We will be back tomorrow. Of course, we're going to talk all about Beverly Hills tonight. There's a little Kyle Morgan Wade online drama. I don't believe any of it's true, though. And we'll talk about all kinds of other things. I hope everyone has an amazing day. Thank you so much for all the love. I see you. And I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.